Section 23 of the Junior Classics, Volume 9, Stories of Today. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Cost of Loving by Frederick O. Bartlett with a slight lift of his heavy shoulders dr schriftman brought to a close his final lecture of the year to the senior medical class for a moment he faced these young men aggressively with his shaggy white beard his wiry gray hair his bulky body he looked more like some good-natured santa claus than a surgeon who was famous on two continents for his stoicism as well as his skill it was tradition that he should say what he was about to say to each graduating class gentlemen he began in his rough guttural which still retained the trace of an accent gentlemen you are about to enter a profession which will be very jealous of you it demands all everything you will be tempted by many false gods by women by gold beware let your work be your religion your wife and your reward so you will be good surgeons gentlemen i wish you success as he turned to leave the platform he was greeted with noisy and hearty cheering ralph smith there ladies shouted someone the cry was taken up with a will but when another voice broke through with hawk schriftmann the one hundred throats strained themselves to the utmost in a final effort to give expression to their genuine appreciation of the man but schriftmann indifferent alike to their jests and plaudits had already jammed his silk hat on the back of his head and was hurrying downstairs to where his machine waited to whisk him to the hospital he timed his day as by a stop watch he rose at seven gave himself until eight to finish his solitary breakfast and hurrying off to the medical school remained there until eleven he was at the hospital from eleven thirty until three from three ten until five he kept his office hours he generally dined alone in his apartments after this and gave up his evenings to consultations to the preparation of papers and to study it was a long evening for he seldom retired until two more often than not he was called to the hospital after this and finished his sleep there the doctor's quarters were as much home to him as the three book cluttered rooms which led from his office and yet there were men young men too who envied schriftmann and when tempted by bright eyes and warm cheeks quoted to themselves his famous epigram it costs too much to love as his machine drew up before the big gray building a young intern hurried out opened the door and then fell back respectfully to give to his senior the place of honor by schriftmann's side in answer to questions which went to their mark like arrows burrell covered the progress of every case since the day before and turned to the new patient in ward twenty seven female age eight mother an actress died of pneumonia father a bicycle rider killed in an accident family history negative and so with a dozen other medical details burrell led up to the result of his preliminary examination and to the laboratory report he made no diagnosis except in connection with her weak heart but to schriftmann it was not the faulty heart but the chronic pain in the back which was significant as he removed his hat and gloves before going to the ward he pressed his cross-examination deeper it was evident to dr burrell that it was to be the rare good fortune of this female age eight to prove an interesting case to schriftmann in the meanwhile the lass in question lay stretched out on her back watching with hectic interest the hurried movements of the head nurse there wasn't very much of gretzel left 
just a shriveled body, a thin mouth, a straight, sensitive nose, a pair of blue eyes, and a wealth of light hair. But the eyes were quite perfect, so deep and clear, so timid and yet so wise were these that as they peered out of the haggardness of their surroundings, they gave the effect of a maid within a maid. It was as though some other soul, unrelated to this pain-racked body, were peering through the mask of her gaunt features. The eyes were younger and fresher and stronger than the rest of her. At present, they were unusually alert. In contrast to the isolated boarding house room from which they had brought her, life here fairly buzzed. The plaints and groanings of her fellow patients, the shadow-like movements of the nurses, the constant coming and going of the young doctors on their unknown errands, the cat-like tread of life through the night, the undercurrent of suspense, and her own helplessness in the midst of it kept her on guard. The nurses, drawn to her at once, tried to reassure her, but to little purpose, because Gretzel believed nothing of what they whispered. People had lied to her all her life. When her father had told her she would soon be well and that then he would take her far out into the country, he had lied. When her father was killed, her mother had lied to her, saying that Daddy had only gone away for a little while to prepare a home for them both. Then her mother had died, and everyone had lied about that. They said that she had gone to join Daddy, and that some day she would send for Gretzel. Finally, the landlady had lied when she had been hurried off into the ambulance. This woman had assured Gretzel that she might possibly find her mother at the hospital. She hadn't found her mother. The nurses had never heard of her mother. So now, with her thin lips tight together, she listened, believing nothing, but kept her eyes wide open, ready for what might happen next. Nearer and nearer to her came fate in the person of Schriftman, Schriftman the Silent, who could skirt with his knife the fringe of the soul itself. His progress through the war was accompanied by more awe than a sovereign through his court. To the huddled group of interns at his back, he stood for the highest goal in their profession. To those patients who knew him, he stood as the literal arbiter of life and death, when those clear eyes, as brilliantly hard as glacial ice, were upon them. When those quick mobile fingers fluttered over their bruised bodies, they breathed slowly and prayed. For they knew it was given to him to do things possible to no other man. But though many an eye warmed at the sight of him, though many an arm pleaded toward him, though many lips trembled gratitude at his approach, he rigidly preserved his impersonality. He had neither smile nor jest. His eyes never warmed. They only lighted. Gretzel saw him as he entered the ward opposite her. She shrank beneath the clothes with only her eyes showing and studied the man. She liked his size, first of all. She had a weakling's reverence for physical strength. The broad shoulders, the long, heavy arms appealed to her at once. Then she liked his whiskers. They reminded her of pictures of Santa Claus. Finally, she liked his deep bass voice. It seemed to her that a man with a voice like that must tell the truth. She wasn't sure of this, but the longer she listened to it and the nearer it came, the less afraid she grew. She ventured the tip of her nose above the bedclothes, then her mouth, and finally her chin. By the time the group reached her side, she was facing them all in the open. For a moment, Schriftman stood over her and met her gaze. He had never felt his soul so searched as it was during the next few seconds. And yet the silent questions asked of him were simple. Gretzel sought only to know if he were a man to tell the truth and if she could trust him with her tender, sensitive body. She had fought the boarding house doctor tooth and nail from the beginning. 
Not only had he lied to her, but he had hurt her brutally. Now she wished to know if she must be on her guard with this other. So for a moment her excited big eyes rested on his, which were like candles burning in a frosty room. Then, quite simply and unafraid, she shoved down the bedclothes and, turning over on her face, exposed her throbbing back. Dr. Burrell caught the nurse's eye. The latter gave a gulpy sort of smile and turned away. With a grunt, Schriftman bent over the thin frame. His fingers, which at times seemed endowed with five senses, played up and down her spine, to the right, to the left, then back again up and down. Though at times he stopped to probe deep, he did not hurt her much. It seemed to her that some of the strength of his broad back ran out of his fingertips and for a moment checked the biting ache which had knotted her for a twelvemonth. Once, at a certain spot, he made her cringe, but she understood that this was not done intentionally. Schriftman, his brow knitted, called for Burrell's stethoscope. He placed it over Gretzel's wobbly heart and listened. One of his big hands lay on the coverlet. Suddenly he felt his thumb in the clutch of a warm, tight grip. He found it difficult to listen after this, for the sturdy pound of his own heart became curiously intermingled with this other jerky beat. Extricating his thumb, he glared at Burrell. Transfer this patient to a private ward, he ordered. In the luxurious seclusion of a room to herself, with everything to eat that her fickle palate craved, with bright-colored German picture books to look at, with a nurse whose sole duty it was to attend to her alone, Gretzel felt like an invalid princess. But all these things were as nothing compared with the joy of the frequent visits of the big doctor himself. Had it not been for him, Gretzel would have looked with suspicion on the whole arrangement. She would have lain awake all night worrying about what might grow out of this. She had learned that every sweet was only a mask of something bitter, like her pills. Whenever anyone had been especially nice to her at home, it was sure to be followed by something terrible. When her father died, her mother had brought her a doll. And when her mother died, the landlady had brought her an apple. But this was different. When she felt Schriftman's hand close over hers, she knew that now no more harm could come to her. He was big enough to take quick revenge on anyone who should hurt her. The consequent relaxation of her tense nerves brought even some surcease of pain, so that at night she frequently slept two or three hours at a time. But the best thing about these naps was the excitement of waking up and finding this shaggy-bearded Santa Claus by the side of her bed. It might be eleven at night, or two in the morning, or four in the morning that he came, but always he came between the dusk and the dawn, Always his greeting was the same. How it goes, Kleine Mädchen? Always she answered. I'm particularly comfy, Mr. Santy. Then he would seat himself by the bed. She would take a tight grip on his thumb, and they were off in a jiffy to some glorious German fairyland. The wonder was where the hair doctor found these stories. They certainly were not in any of his scientific treatises, and he had read nothing else for forty years. If he made them up as he went along, then he must have had more imagination than anyone ever suspected. It was to be noted, however, that in these stories the heroine could trace her beauty, her charm, as well as the success of all her adventures, to the fact that she was very particular to eat as much as possible of whatever was brought to her. And so, as he informed her one night, if you would be a princess, you must eat and you must sleep. Och! so you'll become gross and rosy and beautiful. Me? Gretzel questioned doubtfully. 
she had never been ambitious in that direction you are beautiful already inside answered schriftmann it does not need much after that to be beautiful outside choose some fat and some proteids some fat and some proteids murmured gretzel as though committing it to memory this was a new idea to her this possibility of being beautiful for herself she didn't care but if santy wished it then it was worth trying for she became a little bit jealous of these german princesses but a new thought disturbed her it's so hard to be beautiful when your back aches you she sighed och replied the doctor with a frown dot is true but when we are gross and are rosy so perhaps the ache will go gretzel quickly searched his eyes she had been told before that this ache might go it had always been a lie now santy himself had told her on the whole she was sorry he had told her this with all her confidence in him she could not believe that such a thing was possible and if it were not possible then he must be like the others he had risen to go and was bending over her as tenderly as a mother she reached up a thin hand and drew down his shaggy head until her lips rested against his ear i'm particularly comfy she answered him anxiously let the ache be he kissed her lips mein kleiner mädchen he trembled och mein kleiner mädchen it was three o'clock in the morning when he left her but he routed Burrell out of bed and made him sit up until half past four while he discussed everything under the face of the sun except that which was disturbing him Burrell, dog-tired listened patiently but when schriftman finally explained himself he gave a start dot case in vor a schriftman blurted out dropping into a broad dialect as he always did when deeply moved i tink richards is der man to do dot hein to do gretzel exclaimed Burrell. schriftman nodded looking up at Burrell from beneath his wiry eyebrows why doctor cried Burrell, there's just one man in the world to do that operation and that's you driftman's head sank richards is a great operator admitted Burrell, but he hasn't your nerve and good lord it's going to take a man of iron to do that operation without ether Schriftman winced Burrell ran on excitedly why you yourself said you didn't have a chance in ten but without you why it wouldn't be a chance in a hundred Burrell was pleading he was pleading with his heart in the plea for he was pleading for gretzel's life the operation had been the talk of the hospital for three weeks the girl's heart was too weak to stand an anesthetic and even with the local application of cocaine the operation was bound to be brutal everyone knew that there was just one schriftmann just one man with the brains the hand and the nerve to do it this wasn't a task for an ordinary surgeon it was a task for a surgical machine Burrell had been waking up lately in a cold sweat trying to find out how he could avoid assisting without ether good heavens there was only one schriftmann only one man who could keep his hand steady with gretzel's poor body quivering beneath it moreover there wasn't another man who had the skill to give the lass even a show for her suffering speed is what would count and there were no such nimble fingers in the world as schriftmann's Burrell was on his feet Gretzel's life is literally in your hands, doctor, he exclaimed impulsively. God give her strength to bear the ordeal. Amen, muttered Schriftmann. 
During the next few weeks, Gretzel seemed actually to grow slightly plump and rosy, but almost in the same proportion, Schriftman grew wan and pale. He realized that Burrell had told the truth. If the child was to have a fighting chance for life, then he must do the operation. But was it possible to make the Kleine Mädchen understand that what he did, he did for her own dear sake? Could he make her realize that the hands she grasped so confidently would not willingly cause her brutal pain? Och, the honest trust of those blue eyes. There came a morning when Gretzel was given no breakfast. She protested to the head nurse. Santi will be very mad on me if I don't eat my egg, she declared. I think he will forgive you this time, dear, answered the nurse. Why? Gretzel asked pointedly. Because, because, I ain't beautiful yet, Gretzel interrupted with a glance at her thin arm. The nurse threw herself on her knees by the side of the girl. She kissed that thin arm again and again. Yes, you are beautiful and wonderful, she half-sobbed. Don't ask me questions, Gretzel. Please don't ask me questions. Gretzel placed her hand on the nurse's head. She didn't like to see anyone worried. And because here, she herself always seemed to be the cause of worry, she answered reassuringly, the only comforting thing she could think of. I'm particularly comfy. Whereupon the nurse rose swiftly and hurried out of the room. Santi favored Gretzel with an unexpected visit the same morning. He came in shortly after the nurse had left, and Gretzel explained to him at once that she had not had her egg. So, Schriftman answered nervously. He seated himself on the edge of the bed. He placed his hand firmly on her shoulder. Kleine Mädchen, he faltered, if you were mine own Kleine Mädchen, I could not love you more. She put her arms around his neck. Dear, dear Santi, she cooed. So, he said, so you must never forget Dot. He drew a little away from her. What he had to say, he said, looking fair into her blue eyes. Today, he said, we must make der Ike go. Poof, forever. He snapped his fingers. The ache, she questioned anxiously. Forever, he assured her. Und if it hurts you when it is going? She smiled up into his face. She grasped his thumb. I ain't scared of being hurted with you, I guess. He held his breath a moment. He couldn't say any more after that. So it was Burrell who was forced to prepare the maid for what was to be done. He did it as well as he knew how, but he made a bungling job of it. He left her gasping for breath with all the old fear in her eyes. The thing she could not understand was what had become of Santi. She called for him again and again. The best Burrell could think of to tell her was that the hair doctor had gone to save a little girl from death and that he would come back as soon as he could. Schriftman was depending upon the disguise of his operating robes to prevent Gretzel from recognizing him. But he had forgotten to reckon with the fact that she might wonder at his apparent desertion of her at this the gravest crisis in her life. Burrell's explanation did not help very much. When they lifted her gently to the stretcher and carried her through the corridors to the high-vaulted amphitheater, Santi was nowhere to be seen. Pale, dumb, dazed, Gretzel looked everywhere for him in vain. Burrell, in an anteroom, assisted Schriftman into his sterilized surplice. He adjusted the mask over the surgeon's beard and the white cap over his hair, leaving only his eyes exposed. Then he helped him into his rubber gloves. 
he himself was white and loose in all his joints but Shriftman, the white was like a marble statue he was rigid and inhumanly cold he moved about with the quick certainty of motion of an automaton he gave his orders in a voice that clicked like an instrument Burrell could not help admiring such self-control but at the same time it made him shudder when all was ready Shriftman walked noiselessly into the amphitheatre gretzel was lying face down with an intern stationed at either side of her head a nurse stood ready near the glittering array of instruments Shriftman scarcely breathed as he approached but he had no sooner reached the girl's side than she forced up her head for a heartbeat she stared wildly at the sheeted figure then she gave a glad confident cry santy santy Shriftman, without replying nodded a signal and the interns gently forced gretzel back again but burrell slumped to the floor like an empty grain sack and was of no more use to anyone for twenty-four hours after the operation Shriftman sat outside gretzel's door and received five-minute reports on her condition then when he realized that she bade fair to tide over the first terrible shock he returned to his lonely room and slept he was exhausted as he had never before been and when he woke up he was still exhausted something seemed to have gone from him he made his morning hospital visit to everyone except gretzel but his mind was loose and vague so a week passed and they told him that while the maid was free from pain and making a good recovery she shrank from everyone who approached her und she never ask for santi hein he questioned the nurse the nurse lowered her eyes no she admitted gently he waited another week with the success of his wonderful operation his only consolation there was no doubt now but that in time gretzel would really be as gross and rosy as any of the princesses he had pictured to her for a long time yet he must watch that weak heart to be sure but with care and patience much might be done even with that if only she would let him in he would make that his life work he wanted to make her his legal daughter he wanted to buy a little house in the country and take her there he wanted to make her a real fairyland princess and she never asks yet for santy hein no answered the nurse so he murmured turning away his head he waited a moment then he asked you speak sometimes of me yes answered the nurse he did not press her further and so she was saved from telling him that at the mere mention of his name the maid shrank away in terror Shriftman waited until Gretzel's temperature was normal, until for the first time in her life she slept soundly through the night. He himself had been sleeping less than one hour in the twenty-four. His clothes hung pitifully loose about his once firm body. As Burrell said, he was proving the truth of his own epigram. His love was costing him much, too much. There came a day when Shriftman could stand it no longer, when he could fight himself no longer he stole to the door of gretzel's room while she was at breakfast the nurse had seen him coming and was running down the corridor as fast as she could run she heard the maid shriek of terror and forced both hands over her ears Shriftman clutched at his heart he grew ten years older in a minute as he saw the girl shrink away she did not cry out again but she kept her head hidden beneath the bedclothes kleine mädchen he trembled don't do dot see i will go i will go und never again will i scare you she did not move good pie kleine mädchen he trembled 
Goodbye, little princess. As he backed toward the door, there was something in his voice that made Gretchel peek out over the bedclothes. The detail that riveted her attention was his wasted form. He looked to her as though he had been sick. It recalled to her all the misery of her own long sickness, all the ache of those long nights now gone forever. She saw pain written in his eyes, and she who knew so well the horror of pain suddenly forgot in her wider sympathy all her personal fears of the man. Her little mother's heart grew big with pity. With her own ache gone and the ache in him so manifest, she felt the stronger of the two. There was no longer any reason why she should be afraid of him. It was he who looked afraid. She sat up in bed and studied him a moment as he cowed away from her. Then she reached for her egg. Santy, she said, come here. Like a blind man, he obeyed. Now, she said firmly, you must eat an egg, so you will be gross and rosy. Schriftman does not operate any more. He is too busy obeying his daughter's orders for one thing. But he does lecture, and last year he concluded his speech to the senior medical class with these words. It costs much to love. Och, yet, but not too much. End of section 23